Hey everybody and welcome to this week's That Podcast. I'm Pastor DJ Lura and um, this is a special two-part episode that has uh, me and Pastor Mark with two guests that we met at this year's LCMC gathering in um, Lakeville, Minnesota at Hosanna Lutheran Church. So uh, sit back, relax, pop some popcorn. I hope you enjoy what you're about to hear. Um, the LCMC gathering is always a big event every single year for uh, the international association of churches known as Lutheran Congregations and Mission for Christ that Atonement is a part of. So sit back and enjoy. Hey everybody, I'm Pastor DJ Lura and welcome to a special edition of that podcast. We are at the 21st annual gathering of Lutheran Congregations in Mission for Christ and I have with me as always, not as always, but as often, pretty much every day. I don't get as always very my, often. My buddy, uh, the guy we do ministry together, me and uh, Pastor Mark Solzheim, and we have two special guests with us today. With me is one of my oldest ministry friends. I shouldn't really put it that way, should I? <laughs> no, that's uh, accurate. Marnie, uh, uh, Dr. Marnie Fritz is with us, and she and I, um, full disclosure, she was in my wedding. That's so, true. Yeah. Yeah, and did uh, so a lot, there's of, a lot proof of ministry that it stuff happened. Today. There is proof. And yeah. I have a witness. I saw it. I was there. She was there. I was telling someone earlier today that we had a praise band at, um, at my wedding. And one of the songs that we sang today in worship, we sang at my wedding. Oh, so, see? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. glad you remember that. Well, I have it on. And your I wife have, will be too. I have it on, on a DVD. You remember those things, the DVD players? That old technology. That yeah. old tech. I, I can't watch it anymore, but I have it. <laughs> I have it on a disc somewhere. So thanks for being here with us. And with us also is Carly Ranke, and we just met her today. I, I'm wearing my usual um, evangelical clothing. I have something with NDSU Bison on it. And Carly was kind enough to, to throw up the horns as I walked by, Go which is Bison. a great way. And even said to me, what a great, what a great uh, piece of clothing to start a conversation. Mm -hmm. So uh, I used it as a segue to start a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, so thank you for being here with us today. And Carly, uh, just real quickly, uh, you are on staff here at the site where we're having the 21st annual LCMC gathering. This mm -hmm. is this is Hosanna Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And you're on staff with the the not this church specifically, but with the the team, the Hosanna yes. team, right? Yes, so uh, we are a multi-site church and I work at our Northfield campus as the adult ministries director. So what that means is I oversee uh, community groups, core courses, and prayer team. Oh, wow. Yes, and I was here today just helping out with the conference and making sure that the coffee didn't run out. <laughs> and you got roped in today because you threw up the horns I and did. said, go Bison. That's all I did. I've been a Bison fan since birth. There you go. Swarms my heart to hear that. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I've always wanted to ask you this. Are you a Ducks fan? No. Are you a Beavers fan? No. Okay. Are you a Huskies fan? I'm a loot. You're a loot. Peel you loot? It's a very threatening loot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marnie, um, that's my kids are, are uh, uh, Moorhead spuds, so we're a potato. So I, I don't really know that that's all that threatening either. It's all these. these Look out! Here comes that baked potato. It's all these these Lutheran I'm terrified. Arts but I, I also graduated as a as a cob uh, of corn, so right. you know I, I have we have a theme going on of food. No, uh, baked potatoes can be one of the leading causes of food poisoning. So there, you there go. is that. I have heard um, that, that broccoli is the deadliest of all vegetables. And you, I mean, it makes sense. Just, just smell it sometime. It's warning you by just how it smells that it's dangerous for you. 
But so, yeah. Martin, you graduated from PLU, right? Yep. In uh, Tacoma? Yes. Pacific yes, Lutheran University. Yep. Thus, the, the loyalty to the Lutes? Yes. Actually, um, that would have been my... What year? are About 25, almost 25 years ago, 26 years ago. So, yeah, yeah it's too long ago. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even hardly remember, but yeah. My brother, um, around that time, played football for Central Washington University, the oh, Wildcats. Sure. Yep. And the annual game between PLU and CW was called the Christians versus the Convicts. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. My brother and, at the time, John Kitna was there. He ended up playing mm -hmm. for the NFL. Mm -hmm. And a couple other guys on the team were, were professed Christians. They would walk over and pray with the PLU team yeah. uh, before and after the game. Yeah. But when I, I, when I was a student there at, at uh, PLU, we did win the championship. Uh, I think it was my freshman year in football in that league. So, oh, yeah, yeah. They had a really yep. good team. Yep. Yep, under Frosty Westering, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I don't think we've done that again since, but yeah. Well, I mentioned at the beginning, Marnie, that you are a doctor. What yeah. are you a doctor of? So I am a doctor, a professor of systematic theology. Um, and I actually teach for an online Lutheran seminary called St. Paul Lutheran Seminary. Mm -hmm. Been teaching there for, well, since their inception. And so that was in 2010, so 12 years. Yeah, so in our 12th year. So now I just heard, and, and you may not know all the details, I know you're, you, you focus primarily on what you're teaching, mm -hmm. and not so much the, the administration side right. of St. Paul's, yeah. but I had heard that our own LCMC's Julie Smith had a hand in bringing about St. Paul Lutheran Seminary, is that true? Uh, her hands are all over oh, St. Paul Lutheran Seminary. Hand, both hands and elbow. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. a knee here yeah. and there. Actually, Dust for Prince, man. Dust for Prince. <laughs> yeah. it's Actually, it's kind of a fun story. I had only met her probably about a year or so before the seminary got started. Um, and this was... So we became Facebook friends again when Facebook also was kind of starting to grow. Right. And I was in Montana at the time and I had seen through Facebook on the thread she had just kind of put a very short uh, advertisement, if you will, to the effect of, hey, some of us are starting a small uh, online Lutheran seminary. If you're interested, hit me up. And at that time, I was actually finishing up my PhD. And so I did exactly that, and the rest is history. So, Where did you get your PhD? At Luther Seminary in okay. St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. And your doctor father was? Stephen Paulson. Um, actually, I was benefited during my seminary years, uh, both in my master's program, but also in my PhD program, of studying under both him, he was my doctor father directly, but he had a office at the time next door to this guy named Jim Nestigan. Oh, oh yeah, I, I've heard Yeah, so with one, him. you got the other yeah and so um <clears throat> so you might want to explain for people that don't have a doctorate my wife has a doctorate and yeah. so i understand this but explain the doctor father or doctor mother thing it's a it's an old uh, german uh terminology it, in fact when we say it over here in the united states it's it sounds very what very you know odd. very odd basically your advisor yeah um advises your your thesis writing and your research and so um, my wife has a doctorate in math mm -hmm. uh, and she teaches math um, and she has they have like a family tree yeah. uh, of the oh. going back yeah. Of, yeah. of the the That's, advisors going mm -hmm. back so they can trace it back probably further than I can trace my family so I think I asked Dr. S so who is your doctor father and I think she said a woman's name and she, I go so do you call her doctor mother and she said I 
they call her just my advisor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> not they don't go with the German terms that. Uh, right, uh, yeah, it's a fascinating piece. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but also I was going to add to that. Um, I had the benefit, great benefit, that I appreciated at the time, but even more so now of studying both, not only with um, uh, Dr. Nessigan and Paulson, but had the opportunity to take Lutheran Confessions with both Nestigan and Dr. Ferdy. Um, and he, because he came back for two semesters after he officially retired when I was in my master's program and I was urged that I need to take this while he was still teaching, and which I did, so that was... I am trying I to remember those semesters too. Were you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we go way back as well. Yes, yeah. but I was, uh, I was, uh, that was not, that was my first run through school, so mm -hmm. yes, yeah, not the master's program. Uh -huh. uh, the MDiv degree, Tw 20 years in the making. Yes, that's a long story, we won't go into it right <laughs> now. All right, all right. So Carly, tell us a little bit about, about your faith story. Um, uh, how did you end up uh, here at, uh, at Hosanna? Um, that is a story. I actually grew up attending Hosanna. Um, I grew up in Burnsville, which is the next town over yeah. from here. And um, this is quite a large church. Yeah. Um, and so my high school rebellion was uh, not to attend high school ministry here. It was to go to the local AG church. Oh, um, there you go. And I, you know, I said I would never work for a church as big as Hosanna. And then God laughed at me. Mm -hmm. um, you were about the third person I've heard in the last three <laughs> or four days that has said, I always said I would never. Mm -hmm. And now I am. Mm -hmm. So that's so. a warning to everyone in ministry, in faith. I just, God has proof. a sense of humor, yeah. and he knows what he's doing far better than we do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so in, in high school, I kind of had faith exploration time to myself, deciding apart from my parents what I believed, what I wanted. Um, and I ended up going to Bethel University, which is a Baptist institution here in the Twin Cities, um, studied communication and biblical and theological studies there. Loved my Bible classes so much that I kept going to Bethel Seminary to get a master's degree in Christian thought. Um, then I moved up to Fargo for a boy. We are married today and um, I did youth ministry. Is he now a man? He is now a man, yes. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, that's a good clarification. <laughs> he was a man when we got married, too. This is awesome. <laughs> um, and so did youth ministry up in Fargo for uh, about four, four and a half years, and then um, felt uh, well, a call. Well, real quickly, real quickly, for, you, you, I think you told me earlier, you were at yeah. Hope? I was. I was at Hope Lutheran Church you know, for that at, time. Were you at Hope South or Hope North? Mm, I was primarily stationed at the North Campus, okay. yes. Okay. Yeah, so good times doing middle school ministry. Lots of ministry learning experience in that role, but uh, my husband and I were sensing a need for change um, and to move closer to family back here in the cities. So uh, just on a fluke, we saw that Hosanna had posted an adult ministries position. Um, and my husband was like, you know, you'd probably be really good at adult ministries. 
Uh, I know you do youth, but you probably be good at adults as well. And I'm like, well, okay. Um, They're just big kids. Right. They are. Right. Everyone wants they need, to be youth. They need they? more coffee. Yes. No, that's yeah. That's more true. coffee, less sugar. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My aunt claims the lock-ins that get done a lot sooner. I, uh, yeah, no more lock-ins. Yes. That's, that that's a, a good, thing. positive boundary, yeah. you know? My aunt claims that, that inside every male is a 10-year-old boy, so. <laughs> uh, so my yeah. wife's an 8-year-old boy, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Well, that's why my husband does youth ministry now as a volunteer, and I do adult small groups. <laughs> So, so yeah, and then um, so kind of, been back down here? I've been back down here for two and a half years. Okay. So uh, started a new position in the middle of COVID. And when your ministry position is all about building relationships, uh, that's, that's a that's, challenge. That's yes, yes, you, you cold call people and it's awkward. Um, and you Zoom people that you've never met before. And they might recognize you in Cub and you have no idea who they are because I never saw you wearing that mask before. But we made it. We, we now know people. And yeah. so that's, that's good. So Carly, I keep running into Carly because <laughs> when you were at Bethel, yes. you worked for Feed My Starving Children. Yes. Well, I was in seminary. Yes. I, I balanced uh, all of the, the hard theological study um, with kind of the ivory tower bit with sort of the physical side of Feed My Starving Children on the weekends doing mobile pack events. Yes. I was in the best shape of my life back then. Oh. But you, yes, it's, we, it's good work. And yeah. Atonement loves we love FMSC. Yes. We are, uh, Dave told me. I was, I was at one of your first events. Yes, we, mm-hmm. we had, uh, we started off with just a little, I think what we did like a hundred and 10,000 mm-hmm. meals or something and we thought wow that was so amazing and uh, Dave told me that this year we will be the biggest uh, mobile pack event in the United States nice. so that's kind of fun to see well how done. it's grown uh, well it's our it community our just loves it it grew from our small gymnasium to mm-hmm. uh, uh, renting out the hockey, yep. local hockey arena in town because mm-hmm. uh, we include students, we include businesses, we include the whole community. So yes. that's how we ran into each other. And then mm-hmm. you started working in Hope, and then I was like, how come I know you? And mm-hmm. we kept running into each other, and then now back down here today. And, and then here. Every single yep. high school and middle school yes. is sending a group this year. Yeah. And the majority of the churches, too. That's beautiful. I love their mission. It it just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And you get feeding really good people. shape if you're doing that every. every hey, week yeah, then. you move rice pallets. Those things are not light. So after three days of, of packing, Marnie, we have church on that Sunday, and everyone is so mellow. <laughs> it's like ah, we made it through. Mm-hmm. We made it. But I'm sure they don't sleep through your sermon. Oh, they do that anyway. But you know, <laughs> it's, it's much quieter this time around. So, so Marty, can you tell us a little bit about, about your faith story? How did you get to where you are now? Well, I was baptized as a three-week-old um, in a Lutheran church in Versailles, California. And I haven't gotten beyond my baptism. That's as far as you've gotten. It is. Still getting used to the fact that you have a Savior, huh? Yep. Oh, you want something more? You can yeah. make more. Of course. A little, a little bit more of the journey. Uh, so... Anyway, 
we moved to Oregon um, when I was only four. Um, quickly became a part of a LCMS church there. Uh, I went to college then at PLU, as we mentioned. And when I graduated, I started attending a church where uh, Pastor Norland, uh, who's part of LCMC, uh, at the time was out there. Uh, this was before we were, LCMC was uh, in existence. And I was constantly attending all of his um, Bible studies and uh, theology classes. And then I'd go in and I'd pester him in his office and uh, take up all of his uh, uh, precious sermon writing time. And finally, he just said to me, Marnie, you need to go to seminary. To which I said, no. <laughs> I said, the death now, of course, is always, I'll just pray on it. Think about it. Which is, you know, when you say that to somebody who spends much of their life thinking about things. <laughs> um, so uh, from there, uh, didn't take very long. Then the next uh, fall, I believe, I was um, starting my master's program at Luther Seminary. And um, again, uh, studying with Stephen Paulson for my master's program, when I did my um, thesis defense for that degree, I did it in front of uh, him and Jim Nestigan. And I, when I finished, they kicked me out of the room to have their little chat, deciding if I should pass or what I should do with um, this calling that I have. And they brought me into the room and said, well, yeah, we've, we've been talking and we think we, you should come back and do your PhD. So that's um, what I did. I actually took a year in between the two programs and uh, went And this was back. the, this was the mm -hmm. defense for your master's at yeah. this point, right? Yeah, right. Um, did you want to go on and get your PhD? From the well, when I got into the master's program, pretty quickly I fell in love with the academic side, uh, the theology side. Um, and just, yeah, just was drawn by that. So, so I went, uh, so in between the two uh, degrees, I actually took a year and I went uh, through, at the time, what was called Division of Global Missions in the ELCA uh, to Bratislava, Slovakia. There, um, I taught with a, a bunch of about 12, I think, uh, other Americans. At the um, Evangelitsky Lyceum in Bratislava, which is a bilingual Slovak English Lutheran high school there, um, teaching English because one of the main things they wanted to have or want, I think still, is native English speakers. Um, but the nice thing about that school and that system is because it was a Lutheran uh, school, um, we were not we were not only able to speak and teach them you know English but we were also able to freely speak uh, the gospel so uh, there was numerous times I remember in the classroom actually absolving you know kids in the classroom when their confessions um, would come forth and uh, that's something we're as freely to do here in the public school setting of course but um, to actually do mission um, give them the promise uh, so, and then I, I did come back to Luther Seminary uh, the year after that year. And yeah, dove into the uh, PhD program at Luther. Um, 
it took some time to get through uh, for various reasons, but um, finally completed it uh, at just the right time, apparently, when God planned, right? And met up with uh, Julie, and here we are. Yeah. So I'm going to take a side note real quick, and we're going to jump into a segment of Pastor DJ's House of Theological Nitwittery. <laughs> Our church is called Atonement. I was so, thinking, uh, I wasn't prepared for this. Oh, I am, because I know I know what her, her thesis was. Uh, and so I'm just curious, are you are you an avid proponent of the Christus Victor Atonement theory? Oh, boy. I am. So I am a proponent of proclaiming the forgiveness of sins. And um, this is now, not to get into too deep of the weeds, this is to be distinguished from atonement theories per se, right? So um, there's a variety of them. And um, there are, uh, there's a pretty good article on this by Dr. Gerhard Ferdi called Caught in the Act. And he dissects each one of the main atonement theories. I read it every Good Friday. Yep, yep. and I recommend it um, because he talks about both the advantages and the disadvantages of each. But ultimately, his uh, thesis in this paper is that you know we don't um, teach or preach rather theories again directly. We don't preach a theory of or an even idea of abstract mercy or talk about forgiveness right. with people. Um, stop, stop talking about Jesus and just hand him over. But Jesus actually arrives for you in the announcement itself directly. I forgive you your sins. Right. Um, so, so to distinguish between the theories themselves that, that taught, you know, delve into scripture, talk about various ways that this operates theologically, but when we talk about proclamation, we're not giving the, um, the hardware, the background per se, but we're actually giving Christ himself to individuals, which is, you know, it's, I think one of the unique uh, things of our theology or listening to theology is that we are actually handing over the kingdom of God and handing over Jesus Christ, human and divine, flesh and blood, to actual red, <laughs> yellow belly sinners um, so that they might actually be set free here and now. Not, not left with an idea to think about or wonder about whether or not I'm actually atoned or, or giving them an idea that they might think, well, I have other ideas, you know. Uh, granted, as sinners, we um, initially, when we hear this, there's, depending on the situation, the individual, uh, there's often great rebellion to hearing this announcement, right? But then there's also those um, who, when they're in the pit, right, when they're dead in their sin, and this word goes in and reaches in and pulls them out, uh, they finally hear it as the good news that it actually is in the new life. So, um, you know, it's fun to hear a systematic theologian talk such ways because um, <laughs> just the I definition. I feel like I'm being set up. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. Just yeah. the definition of systematic oh, theologian yeah. is to yep. have a system, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, we want to uh, put God in a box mm -hmm. by making sure that we understand how He did it and what His system is. 
uh, but you can go down to, I, who was talking about it earlier in the convention, you can go down to Barnes & Noble and you can find a whole bunch of self-help books if you want a system. Uh, but to have a, a, a living, risen savior um, yeah. that we give over. So, really, did I steal your no, house no, no, of no, no. That was No, no, no. I was just excited by what, that's what, it's what about. Marty that's what was it's saying. About. Hey, if, if I a, love handing if over Jesus. If a systematic Jesus. theologian can get you to start preaching <laughs> after hearing it, then... Oh, hey. man. You know, I figured... Well, it was so succinct. Now I'm like, oh, do you want to tell me what sanctification is yeah. and all those other oh. fancy words? Uh, oh, sure. Do. It's real simple. <laughs> Well, uh, sanctification. Um, some some of we have stepped our listeners may know of where this comes from. Uh, so I am lifting this again for one of my teachers. But um, I'll begin with that uh, sanctification. Sanctification is just to get used to your justification. From right? the moment Jesus tackles you, you spend the rest so, of your life getting used to the fact. Yeah. One of the places I love to go most for this is uh, Paul's letter, the First Corinthians chapter one, is because we usually, in our old systems, right, and as old sinners, we love steps, processes, programs, right, and so our default uh, thinking and the way that sometimes it, it's classically taught in the church is first there's justification, right? So this is the first step, and that's okay, God's done his part, right? He's justified you, he's dead on the cross for you, you're saved, and this is the gospel, right? Then the assumption is, now you get to do your part. Well, it's, that's probably not quite fair, right? But uh, more of... That's more of a general Christianity's understanding of sanctification. Yeah, it's kind of ubiquitous, right? Um, holy. This is the problem, yeah. Time to get holy. Right, it's time to um, get serious about morality, say for example. Be a good person. Yeah, it's like what Steve Turnbull mentioned earlier. We do bad things, bad things are bad. We shouldn't do bad things, right? We should, we do, we should do good things. Good things are good. We need to do less bad things and more good things, right? That's kind of, again, not completely fair, but that could it sum falls up a lot into, of sermons I've heard over it, the but, years. But that is actually where we fall into the right, what right? We, mm-hmm. we know how this sounds in a very oh, um, yes. nuanced ways in our own uh, context. Did you hear, but, uh, just to interrupt again, because yeah. this is what I do constantly during the podcast. Do you, um, by any chance, did you hear the sermon given by Archbishop Welby at, at the Queen's funeral? I did not. I, I, I listened to it, and... Uh, it, uh, I was so ex- I, I thought, okay, here's here's a guy, and he's got leaders of the world in front of him, and what a chance to give them Jesus, right? Yeah. And uh, so he preaches on, and he talks about how the queen was g- great and life of service, and I'm like, yeah, 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 that's all well and good. Duty, duty, honor, uh, and he gets to the end, and he says, so here's the thing, uh, if you trust in Jesus. So there's your justification piece. If you trust in Jesus and you ha- lead a dutiful life, then you will receive glory. That was his closing two sentences. Swing in the midst. And I was like, oh, dude, you missed your opportunity. And I thought, here's a big wig in the church. And all he had to say was the queen was a sinner. She needed Jesus. I bet you are sinners too. I don't know you, but I'm going to bet you are. And you really need Jesus too. And I thought, man, I should have been in there. I could have stepped in. Yeah. 
Exactly. And they you would have been up in the tower. <laughs> and, I, and I would have been, yes, in the Tower of London for calling the queen a sinner. <laughs> you did what? <laughs> this is outrageous. Up to the tower with him. Well, so I was, Her Majesty the Queen. What I um, love to go back to is this um, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. In the chapter one, where he says again, uh, Jesus is has become for us our justification, our sanctification, and our redemption. So that's one of the examples. Um, every time he opens a letter in writing, he refers to them as presently sanctified, right? Having been sanctified in Jesus Christ, yada, yada, right? So we have the habit of artificially separating these two, the justification and the sanctification, when in fact, and I've gone so far as to just simply write, justification is a person for you. Justification and sanctification is a person for you. And that person is God, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is your sanctification, right? He is your justification. He is your redemption. Um, so just, uh, it, it, this is why I say, you know, I was baptized three weeks old and I have not progressed because I was given Christ and he is everything that we need, both in this life, but also finally, ultimately for our sacred redemption as well. So discipleship, um, as we've been talking about here at this conference, um, again, going back to say, end of uh, Matthew, for example, is to be baptized, to be baptized. That's where we get our life, um, both in Christ, right? Now we've been, now we have put on Christ himself in the new person. And then we are released back into this old world. But of course, uh, we're here now no longer calculating our, either our justification or our sanctification, trying to artificially create it um, through doing less bad and more good, right? But because we've already been sanctified, then we are free to give this life away to the neighbor as needed without fear of either losing our justification or being less holy or uh, because I have all of my holiness already given to me in Christ, who's, uh, who is who is our sanctification. The other word, of course, is holiness, right? So, yeah. You know, I, I like, you know, I like how you put it because that's, I had the same teachers as you did and y yes. And so it has authority behind it more yes. so than when I say it. Yes. Um, but, you know, Dr. Ferdy, and, and I know he said this to you too, but he always had such a good way of when we would try to make it about, okay, I get it. Jesus is my Savior and so on. So if, if I'm free, why do I need to go to church? Why do I need to help my neighbor? And he was very good, at least with me, of taking my law language and turning it back on me. You know, it's like, okay, so if Jesus is your Lord, why wouldn't you want to? Yeah, and I think of it too, kind of like um, using an example of, of marriage or the wedding, you know. Um, if I've already tied the knot in the wedding ceremony, why do I need to kiss my wife? I mean, it's just, we don't say that. that old joke about how come you never told me you love me? I told you on our wedding day, and if anything changes, you'll be the first to know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, not a good way to live a marriage. 
or the yeah, spontaneity so, of I love you. Well, that's nice. Let me think about that and I'll get back to you um, after I've thought about it and made a choice for you or something. I mean, those kinds of questions that come up, I mean, they, they are arising out of the old Adam, right? Um, that fills, fills the threat. Like, you know, that my old life is coming to an end and the and announcement. That's to justify yourself. Uh, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Wonderful. Um, so when we're done, could you just give us a list of things that we need to do to be better Christians uh, and... Oh, Mark, just go hug your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, well, well, on that note, we'll step out of the house of theological nitwittery. Hey, everyone, I hope you enjoyed uh, another fantastic episode of that podcast. Uh, this is the end of part one. The next episode will be part two of our continuing conversation with Pastor Mark and myself with our two guests that we met at uh, the LCMC gathering.